1: Hello and welcome to the AEW All In Review. I'm Michael Sidgwick, joined by fellow Dadley Boy Michael Hamflet to discuss everything that went down on last night's show. But before you get into it, well, we get into it? I'm very tired, but I'm very enthusiastic. <laughs> uh, make sure to subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. For daily wrestling podcasts, we preview and review the pay-per-views, Raw Smackdown, NXT 2.0, oh, it's <laughs> still called that in our hearts, yeah. uh, Dynamite Collage. Uh, pay-per-views, <laughs> premium live events. We have wrestler interviews on occasion. Let's crack straight into it. There might be people sleeping oh, nah, in the nah. hotel room next door, yeah. but the content's the content. Mm-hmm. The content it doesn't the sleep. Content. It doesn't sleep, and by the looks of things, neither do we. Yeah. Uh, general thoughts on the show? Best one you've ever seen live? I think it might be. think it might be. Yeah. It was very special, and rather than harp on about how special it was in vague terms, we're going to get straight into it. So the show starts zero hour with MGF and Adam Cole winning mm-hmm. the tag team titles from Aussie Open. I thought there would be. Uh, you went with they would win the titles, yeah. but there'd be some kind of miscommunication. It was just a really nice, happy babyface victory, and that yeah. was kind of the theme of the night. And there's not much to say about it. It Only went it went under eight minutes. It was pretty much a standard. The heats, the heels get the heat when the men to, The baby faces do their cool, like incredibly popular um, tandem offense. Will go long on that main event, <laughs> I imagine. So keeping it brief. Like the best possible version of a Gentleman's 3, this.
2: Yeah, the kangaroo kick um, got the desired pop, which was almost like foreshadowing the stuff that they would get across in the main event. The Things that have no right to captivate 80,000 people, like kangaroo kick and the double clothesline again, um, were perfect. This was perfectly pitched. Felt nice and really inspired because there was a lot of people there for it. There was plenty of people that were going to be getting this match and then the main event. And even if you've not been watching television or you've not felt super connected, I think it was impossible to be in that building and not feel that bond as they won the titles. Mm. And that was crucial to the effectiveness
1: of the main event. Well that's just in general, this bond that they have is so close and the chemistry is so amazing. And again, Adam Cole is the perfect person to tell this story of MGF finally turning baby face, it kinda seems like. Maybe. Maybe, Maybe because he's the Still best. Still not forever, does it? Nah. No. No. <laughs> he's the best that's the intrigue uh-huh. and that's the hook. Because he's like the nicest guy. So if you're going to tell this slow burn, is he actually nice at his core? Is there anyone, not just in AW, not just in wrestling, in wrestling history, (laughs) who's a better dance partner for this storyline?
2: Well, no, not based on what we know right now. And especially based on what we're seeing him pivot towards in this programme.
1: The second match on Zero Hour... uh, I expect it to be more infamous <laughs> than anything else, so jack perry def- uh, no hook defeats Jack Perry for the f t w title again a nice short match, mostly a walk and brawl, and there is some stuff with the car in which Jack Perry makes his entrance now what's so, happened here right has he so basically, they do a load of spots on a car, go through a windshield, sell it, go back to the Which ring. Which is
2: LTST, isn't it, from all the weeks that he was running Yes. Through. That's probably
1: an important point to yeah. make here. I don't think they just magiced a car yeah. for Jack Perry to do what he did, to brag about what he did, to do it for one cynical reason. It might mm. have been a combination of things. These are always very complicated stories, as we'll get to. This one is no different. So they walk and brawl to the car. A teaser suplex Jack Perry executes a suplex when he does so, we didn't see this because we are it's one of the from our vantage point we had great seats by mm. the way um there were times when I was looking at the screen and not the ring yeah. or flitting between the two, but because we were almost like twelve o'clock was the entrance way, I just watched that yeah. so I didn't see the screen, but apparently. And, you know, I might be misinformed. Obviously, we're doing this from the live experience, which we'll get into as well. In addition to the match quality, um, I didn't see Jack Perry apparently stare down the lens, cut a promo, and say, "Oh, that's glass, crime your river, or something like that." Oof. So they go back to the ring. Um, they do a lot of suplex stuff with Hook. They do another out tease, which builds off the first match, and ultimately Hook wins. What mm-hmm. was the finish? Uh, Hook got red rum. Red rum. Yeah, red rum. Just snared him, beat him. So very quickly, because it doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. Thoughts on the match? I thought it was fun.
2: Yeah, it achieved everything it needed to. It was a nice... Again, if this... You know, we are talk about the glass situation. If this was the glass spot that caused the argument a few weeks ago, we did speculate. Well, it was probably to do with the car. Yeah. There is a narrative reason for there to be a car spot that involves glass. Now, if the Punker wanted a sugar glass windshield, it's probably based on something. I'm not even suggesting it's the Goldberg one, but it's probably based on, oh, you know, that's like really dumb. Or,
1: you know, like there's there's more that we'll... Probably never quite get into. In another bit of excess, they've just done a parking lot brawl in between the report of the argument and this spot. Well, and a car is coming elsewhere on the show that I would argue has more merit
2: in stadium stampede. Yes. And the whole point about agent and detail again feels more
1: up. I'd said the handfullet when we were in the stands. I love the excess sometimes because it's funny. Yeah. I do two car things. We've, yeah. been, we've done an like entrance that can accommodate a car. Let's just do two. Yeah. Two cars. Two vehicles. That's double one car. Sorry about the voice and sorry about the audio. Um, we're, on, we're on a premiere in on are. a laptop. It's not the studio.
2: Literally the last London Undergrounds that could have got us home did do. Oh, my For God. Yeah. It is 20 past one in the morning. It's 20 past
1: Like pa- Yeah. Yeah, it's 20 late. past one. It's late. It's late. Two more things I want to mention because I think they're it's inconclusive, this Jack Perry. To be honest, that might be generous. This Jack Perry heel I think a lot of people are leaning towards failure. Yeah. I got, uh, in, what's the word I'm looking for here? It helps if it, you know, if it had some sleep. Inconclusive. Mm. Because when he's doing his big drawn out heat spot after the cool carnage with like the vehicle, he kind of dies in a stadium second match, and you're it's British, First AEW event, British fans, Wembley and Jack Perry can't really conduct the heat. But then he does the van Terminator tease. Very good. And then he just, instead of doing it, he just hops off the top rope and tells the audience to swivel. I thought that is inspired. But yes, it would be remiss of us to mention. um, Hopefully we'll cover it more in the news. Hopefully there'll be more updates. As far as we're aware, there's two conflicting stories. Again, why would you put the punker first? (laughs) If there's any... Maybe you should start making enemies because you have to put someone first. We won't name names,
2: but earlier on in the day,
1: we were randomly
2: tipped off about possible disagreements over card placement and who was going to go where. Yeah. And how late in the day some of this was decided. I wonder if it's just part of this yeah. soup that is the AW combined backstage area when they're not... The totally soup that know. is AEW, yeah. basically.
1: <laughs> so apparently, on the way back um, from Perry's match, Punk is in Gorilla or Dusty, whatever they call Mm -hmm. it, in AEW. And there's two conflicting reports. Again, we had no Wi-Fi in the stadium, so I can't even recall who reported this. I think between Fightful Select and PW Torch, give them the props, they broke the story. I just can't remember what sides they reported. Either one or two things happened. Perry has either, you know the passive-aggressive, when you just put your shoulder against someone and then try to walk past. Either that's happened, and Punk's went... Don't do that to me. I will choke you. <laughs> and then punched him. Or Punk, on the back of what was a promo aimed in his direction, said, have you got a problem? And then got him in a choke and threw some punches. Or no punches, but choke. Domination. Mm-hmm. It's the Punker. It's the Punker. And then <sighs> a shoving matches ensued. I don't know what's happened, but ultimately, I don't know how to look at this either. Either, if you know that Punk has got heat with someone, space out the matches. If it's not quite a Bucks Punk situation where you have to put them on different ends of the building or whatever, at least consider who's going to be in the same vicinity. Alternatively, CM Punk has heat with everyone, it would seem, so this is going to happen yeah. at some point. Yeah,
2: it's yeah, it's more will probably come out. Or will it? Miro was one of the first online, was he, to be saying that there was
1: nothing to it? Which... maybe it's just disputing on one side of the story oh, we um... are again we had no Wi-Fi or anything so it was weird I, I refreshed Twitter I could see a bit of it for a minute so I've like forgotten um, and I'm not going to research it because it's very very late Should we crack on on the main card yes Right. Please. Okay. so the it, it kicks off right and you get the, the, the video and then you hear Joe's music and then we had a shared epiphany of oh my he's facing punk we're going to see punk live this version this controversial version yeah. we didn't even know how controversial it was yeah Punk comes out, has this match. It is a... uh, uh, People say I can be earnest, reaching bro, corny. This is a religious experience. (laughs) Oh, God. A religious experience for me and Michael Hamflet. The Joe chants were so loud. Yeah. The booze for Punk. And then people wanting to say, no, 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 I love CM Punk, let's chant for him.
2: Do you know what? This was an advocate for uh, the Cena thing still having its place in wrestling. Yeah. Because this was an 80,000 divided... And what an atmosphere this minute. I feel like Michael Cole. There's always an atmosphere when John Cena's out there. There's always a friggin' atmosphere when CM Punk's out there. and he's... I've changed my mind.
1: I like the <laughs> punk. I've been saying go full heel, go yeah. full heel. He pretty much was in this match to, yeah. to its absolute credit. Uh, so the basic story is that Joe's going to kill CM Punk. Mm-hmm. And CM Punk is cocky and doesn't really buy it. Um, he's smug. He's got the best punchable smug face. Because um, he thinks he's wise to Joe's tricks, emotions to do um, a crossbody, to wear uh, the crooked moonsault or something. Yeah. the one that Joe always does the walk. Always off. does the walk off, and Punk goes, "I'm, no, no, I'm wiser to you." And because Joe was playing babyface, and he's a smart babyface, he noped him, and Punk ate the floor. Yeah. Did he eat, eat the floor or did he eat the commentary table or was that a separate spot? No, it was but
2: so like he did the, he got him in the ring and Joe was like, I'll remember that. And he knocked him on the floor. Punk hit the deck and then smashed him at the
1: commentary table at the same time. And then did the, the blade job. And then emerged from the commentary table, face on camera, covered in blood. But the thing about CM Punk is that one of the reasons why he's always right <laughs> is that <laughs> how many times have we seen in AW on television this year I don't know if it's production or the talent could be a little bit more careful or a combination of the two, a collaboration between the two, where you just see someone gig their own head. Yeah. I've seen Moxley do it. I love Moxley, but I've seen him do it. I saw Phoenix do it. I saw Takesh to do it earlier this year. Punk finds the one place that you cannot see. So it looks realistic. <laughs> uh, this match is absolutely unbelievable. i um, would see the headlock stuff, the ROH law, like just CM Punk. It was so cathartic for his enemies. And I think he deserves so much credit for that. He mm. knows how to get a reaction. If part of that is showing ass and just getting mauled yeah. by Joe, outsmarted by Joe, and that story works because you're thinking, Joe's had a lot of this. Mm. Joe's had a lot of this. So they're going to do another roll-up and do it again. Or how do you beat Joe? Because he looks like a monster. He's got the crowd. Oh, he does the wanker symbol. <laughs> he did the wanker symbol as well when Punk when he noped Punk. So I'm thinking honestly, this is amazing. The only time I actually thought about anything was can't just do a GTS and take it home here they don't where's the soundboard <laughs> they did the Pepsi plunge oh yeah it was just so elegantly arrived upon as well the
2: first time Punk brought the Pepsi plunge back was in that match against MJF and we'd waited so long a lot of wrestlers would have brought it back in the Derby Adam match and Punk didn't Punk knew it was worth the wait and he knew people would be looking for it so he wanted you yeah, to stop looking for it And so when the, he hits MJF he, he
1: would do it in AEW as well yeah
2: so, when he hit MJF that first time, you stopped looking for it months ago, so you're surprised all over again. Here, and I was still surprised, don't get me wrong, but there was a point where Samoa Joe was the one in control, but he leant forward, and I kind of nudged you excitedly. I was like, I think they're taking a Pepsi plunge. Yeah. But you don't want to believe it because he's like, he's got frigging Samoa Joe on the top rope, and, it, and then when it happens, and it's the finish no less, you're just left remembering that, oh, So this is how they react to the criticism of the go-to-sleep spot. They don't even tease it. They do not go near a go-to-sleep. And CM Punk can think about that, A, as a sort of F you to the haters, because he's a poster himself, or B, psychologically, that was too hard. If this is real, that was too hard on Collision. I've got to beat him another way instead. And he was opportunistic. The um, the long-running Joe attack that they always used to do in Ring of Honor, Punk dodging it here before Joe finally hit it. Like Joe's celebratory mood when he was like building up the run-up and people, as you say, people going, whoa, these are legitimate haters of CM Punk that are buying in to the fiction of somebody beating him up. Yeah. That's money.
1: It was total there was, there
2: was, money. We, you know, I want to shout out, as we probably will on this podcast, some really great listeners of ours. So I hope you listen to this at some point in the week. Who we spoke with you very briefly at the end. We really enjoyed as you, we were cheering seeing Punk. We victory. had like a
1: nice culture war. Yeah,
2: you turned your back to the ring and stuck your middle fingers in the air as CM Punk lifted his belt, as we were doing the hero worship gesture. And it was just you're like... we did the straight edge. This is just after it, like two pints. <laughs> yeah, this is just this is the this is the CM Punk world, and that's why everybody has to live in it, and some people don't want it.
1: I want to shout out Travis because he was adamant. Because he's gone on loads of the... Uh, he's one of our listeners as well for Context. He's gone on loads of the Canadian dates. Yeah. And he was adamant. He was telling me on Twitter, and I'll have to concede to Travis, AEW won. He's like, no, no, you should go to one of the shows. Or when, you, when you're there, it's so much fun to be in that sort of performative culture war yeah. and how nice it is for the atmosphere and the participation. That was amazing. That was yeah. such a great, positive live experience. And as I said we knew there was nothing malicious in it at the time and then we spoke to the the, the, the elite fans presumably, or the punk haters um, and that was just really, really fun
2: How ironic yeah. isn't it as well for all your um, praising of the elite over the years for being so good at fluid alignments I'd say the Young Bucks especially, but Kenny's done it a bit Hangman did it initially um, Punk does it too yeah. Just stick it in the, in the they're the same column with everything else I about know. them I <laughs> like,
1: The most DIY uncompromising, different yeah. visions actually succeeding in spite of what people thought. And then the second match, oh my God. Here's yeah. the thing. If I was watching this on television, on pay-per-view, I might have thought, shave four minutes off this. Mm. Maybe it got baggy in the middle and it was a bit quiet in the stadium, but I was just loving watching Kenny Omega in the yeah. flesh. It was Kenny Omega, Hangman Page, and Kota Abushi versus J.Y. Juice Robinson and Konoski. Takeshita, 20 minutes it went... The last five minutes were just absolutely exhilarating. There were some really good crowd-pleasing moments. I have been adamant to much controversy that Kenny Omega should have had a singles match. Yeah. The reaction he got was unbelievable. It was more polite to Ibushi. Um, Hangman got a huge pop. Omega got a huge pop. But the big chant, as you heard on telly, was oh Kenny Omega yeah. he was like I think that was a message sent where he's the guy who we think is the biggest star in this match and maybe even one of the maybe even the company I mean it was absolutely deafening so there was lots going on here and I can't recap it it's too late I wouldn't have been able to do it on a night's <laughs> sleep it was one of those elite matches where there's loads of moving parts they built toward every big exchange particular particularly Omega Takeshita very well Called um, it. Abushi looked loads better, at least live. Mm. Anyway, still not vintage Abushi. Very well obscured as well. The stuff he
2: mixed in with Paige and Omega when they were doing the double team spots together. And he was at the end of the triple team. Yeah. So like, yes. So like, they figured maybe his limitations in well, or made sure to set things up for him to get. I'm assuming a confidence boosting reaction after the criticism coming out of Blood and Guts. Well, agented around Abushi's potential shortcomings. This, even though he had less. And then the last time I thought this was as well arranged around that,
1: he looked crisper, he looked more up for it. Um, just generally, it was a really nice because I was really worried about his performance level because he was mm. a shadow of his former self in blood and guts. And um, I want to shout out as well. And um, basically, Takeshta beats Omega by catching him unawares. Um, in that, in that like, scintillating last five minutes where the crowd was really up for it. It was that masterful Kenny Omega trios layout where it's just pop, upon pop, upon pop, pop, pop and Then the next match as well, we'll get into that, goddammit. Jay White in this match, my oh God, he's such a clever wrestler and he plays a clever wrestler. So it's just intelligent upon like intelligent work. I was purring like a complete mark watching mm-hmm. Jay White in this ring. I thought he was absolutely incredible here. Just the amount of times in that last eight minutes where it was breaking down and all the spots were happening and it was becoming really, really exciting. The amount of times he was just in perfect position, like in the fiction of the match as a strategist and as someone holding it together on the heel side, just deflating the, oh, the Elite are going to win, Balloon. And then there's Jay White, just in places where you could never conceive him to be, but that's the next level he operates on. I, I really love this. I still wanted a Kenny match, but I'm in such a good mood that I'm not going to get back on my bollocks.
2: I don't think I could find much fault with this other than that. And I think that's why. Like the, the only fault I would have is that like, well, there was a minimum of three people that probably should have been doing something a bit more significant. But that's not a fault with the match, is it? That's no. fault with the bookers. You're watching these people. This is as good a time to say this as any as well. You know, we were critical card. We met a bunch of people today. As usual, every single one has been awesome. Yes. And a lot of yous, and you'll know who you are if you said this to us, made the point of like, ah, yeah, that's one of the greatest nights of my life. I agree with you, the build was terrible. And this has been quite nice, because it has been a bit, you know, there's been a lot of discourse. Yeah, yeah. Um, What an incredible layout this card was, in terms of um, order and scheduling. Like, they absolutely nailed this. It was perfect. It was, and it's not just, I tweeted this, but... Jarrett into Punk into the Elite into Bucks FTR was a bit too much for us. Yeah, how we're not gonna survive this, but um, yeah, like there was a what felt like a conscious effort to me. This was really great, but we all knew that it wasn't terribly significant beyond being a match to build a match next week at all out, and that's what we're getting now. Um, and yet you've had Punk, you've just had the Elite trios, and now we get in the Bucks, and it's almost like they're trying to create a distance from all of that where some of the drama lives and even if the stories are good that's where a bit of the real life drama lives so you've got time to love it be in it have those like first pop of the night pops and then have a bit of a breather and really sink your teeth into that main event yeah the, the story for the belt that is completely within the fiction Tony Khan nailed this nailed he it absolutely nailed you know, it like, I would say like, from, this was an all timer across so many categories in terms of like the card placement of everything Perfection, yeah, not a foot wrong,
1: not a foot wrong. Um, and I thought you had put a foot wrong by putting books FDR for the tag team titles on third. I thought you could gonna exhaust the audience here mm. like big time. They didn't. This match was like the last seven minutes, I would say, of this match were absolutely out of this world. The drama in the stadium was incredible. The amount of times where it's a bit sometimes right when you go see a live wrestling show, and I did this a bit, you want to get involved, you want to be part of the atmosphere. You do get lost in it. There are times, right, when I'll do the one, two, and I'm thinking, this isn't the finish, Mm. but it's fun to go along with. There were at least seven or eight times where I thought, that's it, and Mm -hmm. my mind was blown. One thing I'll say, there's two things wrong with this match, and I don't want to just be the miserable guy. I'm going to put it over to the hill in a minute, but I do want to be a little bit critical. That's Mm -hmm. what people are hopefully drawn to this podcast for. I had two incredibly minor complaints These are the kind of complaints, just to put it into perspective, that takes it down from five out of five stars (laughs) to a mere 4.75, which, spoiler alert for the article, when I eventually get round to writing it, is what I'll give it. One, I thought that it took a little bit long. It took a little bit of a long time to get to that peak where I didn't build. It was like three minutes where I thought... You don't want to think in a match like this. Yeah, there was there was about two minutes where I was thinking, "Is this as good as I thought it was going to be?" Banished by the last eight minutes, two. There was this big, you've seen it, biggest wrestling show ever. That um, sequence where, and I loved it, where Dax and Matt Jackson are going suplex for suplex for suplex, trifecta four suplexes, Northern Lights Northern Lights. These ridiculously angled German German German. I think they developed that sequence with the idea of you're going to get the standing ovation. Mm. I was sure that people were going to start going, oh, not again, again, and then stand up and go again, again, fight forever, standing oh. They didn't get it, so it felt a little bit showy. Yeah. That's my only major critique of this match. It took an
2: extra second, and you're like... Built that second into uh, stop and soak it up, yes, and there's nothing to soak up, and now you yeah. just notice it's the second, All yeah, right. yeah,
1: that's fair. Other than that, the last seven, eight minutes of this were out of this world. The callbacks to the first match, where my god, he looks like a bullet from a gun, I've just realized what I've said, <laughs> Cash Wheeler, brilliant. But when he goes yeah. through the ropes of that spear, it's always on Nick Jackson as well. Yep. He's the lunatic who's going to take that bump, it always looks incredible. That was one of the best cut offs in the first match, um cash wheeler motions for the 450 because it's like opportunistic that's how they arrange these things yeah. they're so great it never feels contrived it's like oh can okay, I have to do this again oh did not go right the first time then he doesn't do it then the second time he does do it the kick out of the shatter machine where's the soundboard I oh, want it on again yeah. and then the finish <coughs> is there's like at least three moments where again it's so perfectly worked Cash Wheeler, when he takes, he kicks out the BTE trigger, am I right? He kicks out the BTE trigger after the do and missed one from the books and one from FTR, and then it's the rule of three, and the subvert, it's a wonderful effect. So you think the rule of three, right? The books have missed one, FTR have hit one, and books when they hit it on Wheeler and it's Wheeler it, I, I love how it wasn't on Dax because they know that you know that because of the controversy he's found himself in you think oh he's taking the pin yeah. he's doing the job because you don't know if he's going to be you know, around and then they kick out I was like, my heart stopped um, and then the books have kicked out of the shatter machine these false finishes are just absolutely to die for that bit where
2: Dax turned around into a certain fate and got the shatter machine yeah, just the two Oh no, looks, no. Yeah.
1: The two looks of resignation from Cash for the BTE and Dax for the Bucks version of the sham Machine.
2: It's just stunning because they know each other inside out. So he knows the pain he's got to endure as well as the offence that he's got to be on. I'd loved this maybe more than the second one. Um which I think I probably had as like maybe my favourite AW tag of last year. Yeah. Like I we like disagree on the first one but daily's accounts for a lot, you know, in the pandemic and everything yeah. like that. Um, this might be, because I shared your worries midway through. There was, I think there must have been like, I'd love to watch it back on television and see if I feel it, maybe feel the energy dip in the crowd a little bit. But I wonder if what we saw here was the perfect version of the Young Bucks FTR match, because I don't know how much more um, kickouts, near falls, as exhilarating as they were, reversals, finisher thefts, I, I got the exact
1: right amount they nailed it to an almost scientific degree it's weird if you wrote down how many that did you'd think that's too much yeah but it never felt like that
2: yeah and I just and I don't know how many more I want but we, there was an indication at the very least that this the young books are not asked 2023 thing is not over because by rejecting the handshake that might not be a for now thing with FTR, but it's clear it's going yeah. to circle back around. Yeah, this is not the rubber match; it's just now two one.
1: Yeah, different thing. Different thing. Uh, I couldn't believe what was happening next because usually the rule that Tony Khan deploys on his pay per views is mm. all right. Blow away great match involving the Elite. Let's get the four way women's match on. Yes. instead it was Stadium Stampede. <laughs> this match was unbelievable in some ways, weird in others, but ultimately just an absolute smash success. I'd l- I can't wait to watch this back on TV because the stadium is so big. Mm-hmm. Just to mention as well the scale. yeah, it, it it was breathtaking. If I'm not capturing every beat of every match or even everything that I remember loving, it's because there were so many times where I just was looking at the hard camera side. Obviously mm-hmm. one of the most people just luxuriating in the the aesthetics and the atmosphere of it all. So that distraction of how gorgeous it was, coupled with the the Anarchy in the Arena slash Stadium Stampede structure, or disguised lack of structure means that there was stuff over there, I was like, you're climbing really high, or I can't really see you Hmm. but there's people really high up turning around, and there was some carnage there I think maybe it was a bit too far away I don't know, but every time I was like watching stuff in the ring, there were sequences with Santana and Ortiz and Mox and Trent Barretta oh God. got his ass kicked. Yep. What a performance from Earned him. his wage here. He got his ass kicked. He took so many devastating things on ladders, on like upside down tables with barbed wire on. He just got killed. He got killed. Not
2: like unwisely as well. Like this is for the best friends the biggest thing they've obviously it's the biggest thing i ever done but you know what I mean? Like yeah. the jump is huge and it's possibly the last You don't know if you're the best friends if you would make it onto the card second time around, but put them back in another match like this. But you fight to try and earn it, don't you? And I'm one of the bigger critics of best friends when we do these reviews, and I couldn't get enough of this. Like I thought they, like the way they used Trent getting beaten down to make the other stuff count later on, was so inspired. You know.
1: So I can't obviously recap this. I don't think a single person in the stadium could feature bug. It's open to interpretation. Judging by the reaction of this feature. So it kind of all comes together. Oh, your laptop's going funny. It's okay. It's okay. Oh yeah. my God, I got frightened there. <laughs> I got absolutely terrible. I would have just went straight to bed. could have yeah. a podcast in the morning. Um, hope we're still with us. You are still with us. Um, there's a big spike there. Yeah, that's all right.
2: I think that was my laugh.
1: All right, okay. Um, so I miss the big thing that destroys Eddie Kingston mm. and I miss the big thing that destroys Penta because they are taken away from the match or they're not in it for a long stretch and that allows the bcc to do some really disgusting heel work after some electrifying just brutal back and forth so you get the penta return first i legitimately thought and i've spoken to people fans at the building when we were discussing the show that someone's pressed penta's music by accident as it happens i've missed this it's easy to miss things especially in something as vast as wembley he's got beaten up and he thought oh he can't come back he's going to come back at Stadium Stampede and he comes back as Penta Oscuro yeah. but I thought someone's pressed the button it was so <laughs> random it was weird um, and he climbs the top of ladder with Santana is it yeah and it breaks and then they I think they're trying to do Penta's big destroyer mm. through the ladder it comes off as a power bomb because of the ladder but I don't care it's chaotic and then Sue comes along in the van and I love this world building Apparently should made cookies. Yeah, I saw this all tweet. Of, yeah. She apparently should made cookies for all of the AEW rosters, so they use cookie sheets that you know what's it's so silly sometimes wrestling, but sometimes the silly stuff, more thought gets put into that. Mm-hmm. What I love about that idea is that you've got an object, a bit of plunder that naturally exists in the environment of the story you're telling, yeah. not someone's hidden a chair. He caught that in this match obviously as well. You know what we expect from this kind of modern like weapons brawl, but you got an object that fits, yeah, that exists in its right place mm-hmm. and they use it in the match. Um, towards the climax, Eddie Kingston mocks at this like defiant, I can't swear, FU stuff where they're putting each other through propped up tables and giving each other the middle fingers and all the rest of it it was a glass that Orange Cassidy put his hand in yes at like the Taipei death. Didn't, well it
2: didn't work that well live but you could get, you can infer what was supposed to be going on yeah Yeah. and then Moxley ultimately just like kicks the bucket away spilling the glass to then, then be dumped on his head on it
1: yeah and it's a nice and then it's awesome and Claudio and Orange have that as a match as a singles because yes, that please. looked unbelievable Claudio's strength as well was it Orange that he uppercut or was it Trent again
2: it was Trent with the uppercut. <laughs> was it Orange that he spun as long as he spun off I him, can't remember the uppercut you phone referring to is when he launches him into the sky yeah. and there's actual hang time
1: It's a helicopter that yeah. was circling the stadium and he was like pretty much under the propeller <laughs> unbelievable and the finish is uh, Orange Orchard he kicked your ass who <laughs> did you super punch for the pin?
2: Uh, it was was it Claudio? no it was a Wheeler I think it was Juda because they'd done the just wonderful this is what we talk about when we talk about PKW. Utah is suddenly cornered by or rounded on by the four best friends and he's in the middle of the ring so they do yeah. the hug they give the people what they want and Yuta's back in the middle and then they're just beaten down from the middle position it's just that's it that's the thought that's the key. Yeah. you would never book that spot
1: this was everything I thought would be mainly for the absolute best reasons like I just thought this was an incredible achievement and I don't even I can't even qualify that Maybe it was a bit rubbish because there were some bits that I missed. Everyone I spoke to said it was ace. I need to watch that one again back just yeah. to confirm how great it was.
2: Felt like an over-delivery for me on two counts because I didn't feel like... I felt like the stipulation was in a bit of a fire escape for the fact that the match didn't really have a lot of juice. Like The two sides, the two squads were a bit loose in then like the narrative connections. and We were talking about how we couldn't really piece together all of the feuds and how we even arrived at this. But also, from a personal standpoint, me and you are a a proper Anarchy in the Arena in Las Vegas. In a stadium twice, what, three times the size, whatever it is, Uh, with more limitations because of its size, I thought this was as effective as Anarchy in the Arena 2 in Las Vegas. And that was a much smaller building that was suited to this kind of stipulation. I thought by the end, it didn't feel like, ah, it's convenient how pretty much all of it is just moved to the ring. They remain very good and naturally progressing there. Yeah. And Kingston giving you the visual of him and. So he charges Moxley through the table, which felt like a callback to when Moxley did it in that three way yes. the other week. The desperation charge into the table. So they're out with the match, freeing up Orange Cassidy to win. And then the camera lands on Eddie Kingston, and he's just got the middle finger. Square in John moxley 's yeah. bloodied face. So like it was almost a bonding moment between them, wasn't it? Like it's like, always so intimate with It's them. him saying, like, this is me fixing it. Yeah. We have to stop
1: this. Like, regardless of we have it was to Like stop the this. actual intimacy, even if the hatred, they're yeah. still literally very close. Yeah. And um, I had to put the four-way women's match somewhere. And my God, this is probably the biggest over delivery of the night. Yeah. Uh the Surreya thing helped but you got loads of booze. At least in our section, I don't know what it was like. Maybe throughout it was this.
2: just for a like weird and creepy family as well as her.
1: A... Yes, I was being the weird and creepy. family. <laughs> she comes out to "We Will Rock You." He forked out for this one to Khan. gone. In terms of like two of the more expensive to license artists, or at least two of the most popular rock artists ever, in Queen and Metallica. I love
2: how we didn't extend that to the pre-show because Grado got the big show's music. Yeah, there was name Madonna for Grado.
1: <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, so, I comes out. We will rock you. Tony Storm, who's got the best Tron in the world now. Yes. She, it looks like the poster for like a 1940s... The character was ready. ...femme fatale thing. Yeah. Um, and it's Sheeda who gets a great reaction, which is great. And Britt Baker, who's over as hell yeah. as ever. This is so compact, lean, well told, mm-hmm. really dramatic. Everyone got a, time, a, a spot to shine. There was great story development. It's one of those things where you can almost forgive what feels like a calendar year there or thereabouts of outcasts doing outcast stuff every week because it all paid off magnificently here. So... As much as she's a creep, you know, Saraya's mom gets levelled by Tony Storm at ringside by accident. Yeah. The hold her back spot was, she looked feral. Yeah. It looked it so real. And I was like, right, like, boom, I've clicked into it. Um, I'm going to have to watch this match back for my written review because at this point, I gave in. I had to do the cliched thing during the women's match because I needed a wee. I was actually going to use really it. I was hating myself for doing it. I had, I like but the thing is, like, I had, it was. I sprinted back and I just missed the finish because I thought with the way it was cooking and how good it was getting, mm-hmm. it's going to go twelve, so I can make the finish. But it did only get eight minutes, I think.
2: It felt longer, but in a good way. Yeah, it felt like they packed a the lot in. I I said to you, like that cliche that everybody hates of a four or three way where two of the people are partners. It's like the cover. Oh, uh, I'm covering. No, I'm covering, and then we fight. They, they did a bit it. Of that. Yeah. They, they parodied it. They saw like they were shoving, but there was no. It didn't turn into a fight. It was almost like let's build the tension. was like, come on, let me cover it. No, I'm covering it. Well, we're not going to fight each other about this. Let's. But down the line, we're going to have to address this. And then you hit my mom. That's the reason for the fight. When so I, smart.
1: When I came back from the loo, Hamlet was gushing. Oh my god. He came, he, no, over that oh, yeah. one and this one, where I was, it's like you weren't going to believe it. You saw the best version of that spot ever.
2: Yeah. Actually, no, I saw that. You saw that. The spot I was gushing over. Yes. Was um, Paige puts. Uh, she, you know, Tony Storm. So, this is the point, right? So, Paige's is so, sort of, excuse me, Soraya is so angry that she sees Tony Storm hitting her mother and then chases Tony Storm. En route, Dex Britt Baker Dex Sheeda. So, the ring is clear for Saraya and Storm to have their moment. Are they going to make friends? Are they going to fight? And then Saraya's can't be held back and Storm's like, no, just calm down, calm down. Then she cheap shots her, realizing it's only going to get worse. And then the fight is on and it feels completely real. To the point where Soraya's got her devastating scorpion crosslock on uh, Tony Storm. It's the uh, Medusa uh, Alundra Blaze uh, Bonacano submission, the famous one. So she's holding her up. So Tony Storm is suspended in midair. And then Britt Baker returns and hits her with the stomp. Uh. And Tony Storm's face just eats the mat, like head hard on the mat. And like the whole building comes unglued for it. The punch to Soraya's mom was a bit of fun that was the moment that people really locked in to the remainder of this match and up until the finish. So you've got now the established breakdown in communication between the Outcasts and Britt Baker and Shida in a competitive battle. Uh, so much so that Britt Baker is trying to get the lockjaw on Shida, but Shida is trying to fight out of it. She's obviously very experienced, Uh and, in the, and then in the meantime, Tony Storm attempts to come in the ring and s- like just swinging the belt wildly. She's losing it, isn't she? She's got the belt in the hand swinging. But before she she's can. She's great. She's brilliant, man. Before she can swing the belt, and again, the Outcasts are done so. It's happening. Saraya comes in and out cheats her. She uses the green spray on Tony Storm's face, you know, your own weapon against you, sort of thing. And Tony Storm is knackered. Saraya hits the. She used to call it the PTO in WWE. Yeah. Hits that and obviously the referee counts that pin rather than following Baker's attempt to submit Sheida, and it's the pin that takes priority and Saray gets the win. Prior to that, Ruby Soho had seen the dissension between the two, stood in between them both and then taken a pot shot by accident off them both and left in disgust. Yeah. So they've even kind of given you the, oh, why wouldn't Soho try and fix this? She tried to reason with them, but it was it had gone too far. Yeah. So they are finishing with this group. And to be fair, like it's an interesting... Step forward with Sareya. I don't know if this is just one of the things. It's a good time rather than a long time because I think the venue was the right time, genuinely. I think right. it was the right I think I called it on our predictions video. She pinned Storm. Right night for it, ultimately. No pun intended. But um, a long rain. I don't know. Jury's out. This was so much fun. This was so, so What good.
1: I caught of it was so much fun and I'm looking forward to revisiting it um, ahead of the review.
2: Oh, sorry, just quickly. Soraya's a really divisive figure and I wish she wasn't. Because the hard and really terrible bits of her life in the last several years like should be separated from some of the kind of awfulness she finds herself mixed up in. And there was a moment she was looking at that title. They're linked? Well they are. But she was looking at that title and you could feel this sense of vindication and like pride that she wouldn't have ne- never dared have at one point when she'd already had to endure the invasions of the private life, the career ending injury, the comeback, the next injury. Like the worst some,
1: stuff in her personal life.
2: There's some bad stuff. is hers but there was a lot of bad stuff that happened to her and it was quite nice to see that flip here I was
1: going to make that point when she first came out I think because the television she's been a part of has been quite wretched and a lot of people haven't liked it she got loads of boos yeah when she won that title it was a weird reaction because it was a pop for a title change and then to AEW's credit maybe this is bare minimum stuff and I Mm. shouldn't be praising them you know I do this with WWE I'm a very harsh critic sometimes not tonight god damn it (laughs) There was like this rising crescendo of a pop where I kept going and going and going and going and going and Mm -hmm. going when she had that title in her arms. And I would like to think there was a collective shared realisation of it's really nice that she's had this moment for herself when it just thought her personal and professional life was completely intact. Mm -hmm. I just thought it kept going up and up and up. And I think people, at least I was thinking, oh, it's really nice that this has happened for Mm -hmm. her. I agree. I know she's mixed up with people who aren't oh, nice. Bad well, eggs. Bad eggs. But that's a whole other conversation. It is, yeah. Next seeking so destroy Metallica. Oh my god. Summons Darby Allen and Sting after swerving Christian make there special entrances as well for the coffin match um, Christian Cage is so over as a heel I mm. think people have realised just how good this guy is and people obviously love the memes people love the actual substance of the work so he got a great reaction this match was incredibly fun perfectly pitched um, after more than one wonky sting performance this was really great Yeah, for what it was I thought um, he looked really good in this match compared to like out in the past two out of three times, he's not quite looked his best. Um, but wonky sting is still so endearing that he kind of did like a sideways coffin drop on swerve through a table because <laughs> it didn't break the first time, it didn't break the first time, so he just did it. But he could have just jumped on him a bit, yeah. Like it wasn't a splash or even like a really good coffin drop, he just went back first and just jumped on him, yeah. And it worked and it was perfect. Um, Darby Allen takes ridiculous bumps in this match, as you'd expect. Um, he takes a coffin drop directly onto oh. the casket.
2: Swerve's timing on moving for that as well. was yeah. just
1: amazing. Swerve it's a casket with a four fifty. Yeah, it's carnage, but it's sort of. It's not spotty. It's just quite. I want to say elegant for something quite that's fundamentally silly and theatrical.
2: The spot where Sting like looked like he was going to flapjack in Swerve into the coffin when it was still lent up against the ring, but the lid shut. So, you just hit the lid? Yeah. Instead, like the coffin was open when Sting started to move. Uh, did anyone move the lid? I, mean, I don't know. Because like either one works, doesn't it? Yeah. And he tries to flapjack him into it, or he just hits ka and you got that really satisfying thud. Yeah.
1: Like there's a cartoon villain come up and spit for Swerve there, wasn't there? I don't know who's agented the spot or came up with it. I would like to think it's Darby because he's a filmmaker in this kind of like. He's cinema. <laughs> he knows how to do these things um, so one of the big spots that it builds up to is Swerve has got beat, puts him in the coffin but there's a bat there so when Swerve arrogantly his presence, his manipulation of that crowd, it really was Swerve's house mm-hmm. um, he goes to close the lid but the bat separates the lid from the thing and Swerve thinks, hang on is that not right he only close the door and he's like, oh god so then he gets his eyes kicked um, coffin drop on Swerve who found himself in the coffin later on and was the finish there's a really great bit this was so, there were so many good theatre mm. moments in this match the entrance for Sting and Darby was out of this world by the way there's a bit where Swerve only his fingers are coming out of the coffin oh, God. and he's doing this like these wiggling his fingers as to see like he's trying to as he got buried alive mm. you'd be scrabbing at the dick yeah. like, his fingers were like sort of trying to do that but they were getting pressed uh, he
2: moves on the coffin. Yeah. So they were just doing things that, like it wasn't just like pressuring and down as you would do. It was like let's jump
1: on it. Let's jump let's on jump, it. Let's jump let's, on that's it. That's how you can stick them in there. Yeah. Man. I was tremendously, tremendously entertained by this. Like good plunder. Loads of moments of theatre. You've got four different people who they've got very varying levels of experience, but they all have a presence and a sort of a exaggerated theatrical element to the mm. characters now. And I thought all four of them like the inner dynamic of all of it was just great
2: the bit where um, very little to add there because it was just uh, just a riot but the bit where Sting looked finished and he had to he had to look completely beaten for the baseball bat spot to resonate the way it did even the way he swerved position the casket in the middle of the ring as if it was like a people's elbow and he wasn't even looking at the other side he was just pushing the back job yeah. done but there was you were kind of like asked to forget oh like Derby can't make the save why there's a frankly hilarious cut to Christian Cage straddling him on the floor, and he looks like he's forgotten what we're doing here. Remember he's like gesturing with the belt, and yeah. Like, yeah. obviously it's to allow Swerve and Sting to have their big performance in the ring, but it's Christian just it just being horrible. Camera click oh where's Darby? There he is. He's choking you and I've got the belt.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> fantastic. Christian was absolutely fantastic here. Um pamphlet The one time right, apart from when he was like brutally hung over earlier today. <laughs> The only time I have seen Michael Hamflet look vaguely upset slash <laughs> miffed at this absolutely wonderful, if not life-affirming, AEW-affirming pay-per-view yeah. is when Chris Jericho was about to do Judas, because he goes, Ew, ew and he does that, my arsehole cringes when I People do that. It's
2: Freddie Mercury, it? Yes, I And he's the one that was allowed. <laughs>
1: yes, he was allowed to do it. Because Jericho, you're not Freddie Mercury. No. And you, you know, knew you would. And I don't even like Queen that much, but he's still not Freddie Mercury. That's the point, isn't it? Yeah.
2: Like, just a point on this, because I've not mentioned it any other point in the podcast. 11 out of 10, night like, for wrestling gear. And the Young Bucks had the yellow Freddie Wembley 86 gear on and had their own version of Another One Bites The Dust about super kicks. Dax hits the mat. Cash it's the mat. And then Jericho was like, well, oh, tough to
1: i am doing it as well. It's like,
2: you it didn't have to. You've already been given your song. Yeah.
1: Like, just just have that. Just sing your song. Just sing your song. So, Hamlet hated Jericho doing Freddie Mercury, so much so that he opted out of Judas.
2: I didn't feel like that was a like a conscious opt-out, but I was really impressed at how many people... I'd seen this thing, it was like, the elbow, you'll sing it on the night. And I was like, well, we're in Vegas, I didn't feel it. We didn't really, too
1: this I crowd, did the chorus. This crowd did. They made me do it.
2: Yeah, this uh, like if I'd have been more inclined, it would have been here because this crowd, yeah, loved it. A lot of them have waited for long I,
1: years. To I leave. assume everyone listening to this podcast has watched this show. The beautiful people who came up to us after the fact—I know that some of them went to this show. Mm. Just in case we haven't emphasized this enough, this crowd was unbelievable. Oh god, gotcha ungoddamn believable for virtually if not every single match then the key moments of every match like we'll get to the acclaimed in the house of black there were moments where it was like tired kind of ready for the main event but the big moments in that match the actual random outbursts of pop which yeah. out of this world uh, so yeah Jericho does this thing Will Ospreay is more over than I could have thought possibly he's one of the most over guys mm-hmm. Um, on the entire show, and Chris Jericho has done it again because this match was great. Yeah, absolutely great. The atmosphere helped it enormously. If I'm being a little bit pedantic, and you know me well if you listen long enough, long enough, sorry, there were like two moments where I thought, I'm not sure that we're trying to do there, or I think I know what they were trying to do, one of the code breakers, but they didn't quite get it. Um, everything else looked perfect. The pacing of the match was superb. It was just, yeah, it was your back and forth fifteen minute ripper mm. and fifty three year old Chris Jericho more than played his part in it. He was so good. Um it's a bit where it was a storm breaker into a Hurricane Rana. Yeah. And Chris Jericho did it. Yeah. At this age. I was expecting a brawl. I was expecting smoke and mirrors. This was like a mini version of the that's not even I was going to compare it to um, Jericho Omega because it was nowhere near that but it was very much the defiant no I can still do this Mm. somehow and I'm going to do it I don't know how he did that Stormbreaker I do Will Ospreay can manipulate his body into feats of agility and movement and control he's a contortionist and a gymnast and an absolutely sensational pro wrestler as well like to do that for Jericho who's not The fastest Mm. Jericho was just like on amazing form here. Um, Stormbreaker kick out deep into the match that shocked me. I think it either shocked this audience or they didn't realize just how protected that is.
2: I'd need to ask some of our listeners if there's been a New Japan kick out because I was I had that in my head as a never kicked out of, yeah, certainly not on AEW television or in America, but I could be wrong, yeah,
1: if not. Never been kicked out of it's exceedingly rare, yeah. exceedingly rare. But the kicked out of it, at which point Jericho sticks his fingers up for the hidden blade, eats that, and Osprey decided to give him another Stormbreaker because mm. he, he has at one point in his life idolized Jericho. Jericho
2: gave him the juice effect as well, didn't he? Yes. The only Moxley that's had that. Only Moxley thing. has
1: yeah. had that one previously. Yes. So this is a very respectful match. It did not piss about either. No, they were doing some finisher teasers. Um, early on it just got straight into the action they didn't really try and do a slow patient build I think they realised do some fireworks it's not really an epic stakes match it's just going to be excellent um, an intergenerational match I thought this was superb genuinely Um I should mentioned as well that Will Ospreay being Will Osprey, took a German suplex head first on the apron oh. and I shouted you haven't got a and brain in your head, all spray. <laughs> I was thanking him for not having one because I got to see a d- absolute sickles, <laughs> ghoulish spot like that. And um, but Chris Jericho does it again. How does he do that? What, what did you say? tell tell the listeners what you said to me about Jericho being in a tag match? Uh,
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was imagining that. Well, I was just marveling at what Chris Jericho had achieved for himself tonight as he walked to the ring, having left his band on a raised stage, having done a Freddie Mercury impression, about to face Will Ospreay, arguably the most over man in the building up to that point, and he's getting this match. And this is before the battle's rung, and then I've got a lot of praise for Chris Jericho after that. But I just sort of said, this is why the Kenny Omega argument was so infuriating, because if Tony Khan says to Chris Jericho, um, I kind of need you to work this uh, trios match, we've got kind of full card. Chris Jericho would have all of this in his head and say Tony I kind of need you to suck my cock because I'm gonna <laughs> do this because everything we saw is what he was so special yeah it was and like I would classify this as um like you were saying about how like they kind of like like sprinted off early this was like a bit of dark arts pacing because they definitely put some like wear down stuff in it but you never felt it like there was the um remember the triple H undertaker match that started with a sprint same sort of thing. And uh, like, it was just really, really wonderfully done. Like about how they, I don't know, like made you feel like, oh they're slowing things down, and then it was ratcheted straight back up again. It was like real, like maestro stuff from Jericho. Have to have to take the L, like on that one.
1: It was just sublime. He screamed. I won't say it because we don't know how to beef because we're technologically incapable. He screamed a swear word on Wednesday as if to suggest, I know what we've got. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to do it. Do not deny me. Um, So this is just an absolutely masterful effort from Jericho. Osprey is probably the best in-ring wrestler on the planet right now. Again, the contortionist stuff, the body control. Uh, Two more matches. We're going to go very briefly through the penultimate one uh, because we want to spend a nice solid five minutes (laughs) at least on that main event and try not to take up too much of uh, your time. And The acclaimed beat the House of Black in a nice match. That has lulls in the action, but they come up for the big moments where, so the, big, the weird story of the match is basically at various points, the members of the acclaimed find themselves one on three against the House of Black because they do that really good circling divide yeah. and conquer gimmick and then they subverted at various points. So it's not completely all action, but I think it's cleverly structured. Because you can't go all action, 1200 sprint when daddy ass is in there. You have to pick his <laughs> spots. Um, and it was very, very over. Shout out to Max Caster for burying Prince Andrew and his rap. Well, that was <laughs> tremendously cathartic and indeed tremendously popular all across the stadium. The acclaimed win, the new trio's champions. I reckon they probably should have put daddy ass's ass on the line again because I think they could have maximised the emotion when there was never going to be a great match. Mm. And yet again, there wasn't a great match, but this didn't need to be great. People wanted the acclaimed, they got the acclaimed doing the hits and a title change, so it felt special.
2: Yeah, the right match at the right time. Um a nice gesture for Daddy Ass on a on a big night to do, I suppose. Uh and it got there as a story, I guess, the this acclaimed House of Black thing. It got there when it needed to. It's like the House of Black ring was never in doubt, nor is the acclaimed really, but they'd never clicked together. And the story, because of the lack of stakes, official stakes at least felt more lightweight than it actually was on the night it did feel like a big deal that billy Gunn was wearing the belt that billy Gunn was badass as well as daddy ass it was wonderful to see the acclaim, get this kind of crowd response the bucking's not been fantastic this year yeah and it would have been a shame for them to get to wembley and not feel the vindication of how special their AEW run has been two singles prospects brought together yeah this is a homegrown as it gets homegrown aw success story House of Black, Respect Handshake at the end as well. That was nice. Like a weird but exciting endorsement of those as trios champions. Maybe it was time for the title change as well. But aside from just switching the belts, everything was so nice for the baby faces. And it was lightweight without being like time waster or time filler. And that's hard to get right. And I yeah. thought that, again, they pitched it just right.
1: Speak of pitching it just right. Jesus Christ. I'm going to try not to speak too much about this because it's very late. And I feel like we could do a podcast on the brilliance of this match unto itself. Like genuinely, I think I could go an hour on this. I'm obviously not going to. And um, I think what we're going to do as well is I'm certainly going to watch this match back on TV. Yeah. And when we get back to regularly scheduled programming, we might even go even deeper into this. I want to see how it came off on TV. It's the main event. It's MGF. It's Adam Cole. And they are both so ridiculously over. They have this incredible match that is unlike anything I've ever seen it's funny it's warm it's incredibly dramatic it's for how fundamentally just silly this friendship is and nice it was really quite affecting like when Adam Cole so one of the key stories of the match or the key story really is that Adam Cole progressively realises the situation he's in he realises ah mate with Max And it's so believable as well. I've got such great chemistry. But I want to win that title. Mm. Of course I want to win that world title. So I'm going to do some progressively brutal stuff to him. One of which was a backdrop suplex. yeah, Or a suplex Mm. or a brain bus or something on the stairs. MGF's back clicks, clips the edge. It looks brutal. I, you not. The person next to me, okay, in the stand because MGF is out for the count here this is a bit weird this is the only weird moment in the match because Cole's not going to win it on a count yeah. out but they kind of act this spot selectively as if they are it's the only thing mm. the person next to me is like what's he doing Yeah, he was speaking about MGF saying what's he doing I've watched enough New Japan over the past decade <laughs> to A not want to see a count out tease ever again yeah and B, C, the best ones that have ever been done in wrestling history. Is this the best one you've ever seen, or is this if it's recently biased, that's good, it means they had loads of fun. He jumps backwards into the ring. It's way up. On nine point nine 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 ad infinitum. It's way up there, man. It's like that you know, they can be overblown in New Japan
2: as well, but I, it was as you say, it was the one spot that if you could be picky it didn't make sense. But the drama in the building was out the ass. So but so like there's not much to pick on. Again, I want to watch that back on TV because I dare say people were more critical of some of the
1: melodrama, perhaps. But it was too funny for me to be critical about that. I, I, well, I, people loved it too. I saw the odd thing on Twitter again. I only it's only very briefly flashed and worked in flashes. I saw the words, the letters, rather like NXTs. Like this, they've never done anything as funny as this. So yeah, so progressively it goes on after a really comedic start where it's like banter between mates as wrestling moves Yeah, it's it's unbelievable I've seen nothing like this, it's like a genre unto itself so that happens and then that's when Cole decides no, I'm going to have to like really hurt him because I just want that title MJF um, elects not to do that when he's got the opportunity he also elects not to use a diamond ring the match deepens um, in terms of the action um, in terms of like how violent some of the spots are the pacing, it just escalates just in a sublime way and then Roddy Strong comes out after a ref bump. Low blows, MGF. This is where Adam Cole does take advantage, mm-hmm. but MGF kicks out after the it's ref been, bump.
2: It's true to the design of the match as well because yeah. Cole had been the one embracing the heel side more. He'd ripped the Better Than You Baby shirt off MJF. Yes. He'd taken an opportunity to pile drive Max on a table when MJF couldn't do yeah. it. So Adam Cole had been leaning and that felt like Roderick Strong was almost like being predatory and being like, right, you're going to make the right choice this time. So this is the first ref bump?
1: Yes. So there's two ref bombs, correct? Yes. There was the, the, the... one was just a... Like a glance and blow MJS gotten away with it, yeah. So the second ref bump, <laughs> and this is so funny, do they do the chair thing after the second ref bump? Yes, Right. so. So the second ref bump is that Bryce Remsberg somehow gets in the way of MGF and takes a Canadian destroyer (laughs) this is if you just if you listen to that or saw it written down you think that's farcical especially for a main event this had no right to work as well as it did Mm -hmm. this was if you ever watched classic Simpsons now they can do satire slapstick totally irreverent abstract Mm. humour and just go through all of these modes and create this thing that is uniquely itself that's this yeah it's like Twin Peaks, suspense, mystery, murder mystery, romance, supernatural horror, like all of these disparate elements. This was like warm, nice, dramatic, like I just could not say enough nice things about this match. At uh, the finish, um, so basically once the ref is thinking, they decided to do the Eddie Guerrero spot, mm-hmm. riffing on the first one where MJF does it but Bryce yeah. is taking too long and he just did gets hoisted by his own petard. So they just throw the chair at each other and it's funny as hell. It really is. Um I'm knackered. Go through the finish. I've forgotten what it they, is. Uh,
2: do they use the like a Hogan Warrior collision for a double clothesline on each other? Which is so powerful from them tagging all together that we have a draw. The draw is announced They've Built this from the very first match. The very first match uh, Adam Cole begs for five more minutes. MJF does the no we're, not going to We're an effing Wembley. We're going effing Wembley. That We're got a huge, huge So they go the distance. At this point, obviously, with strong um, dispatch, having, like, Adam Cole's rejected Roderick Strong's attempt to help him. It's like, right, fine, don't use me then, don't use me. To which point, Adam Cole is left in a, a position where he can win the match. Um, I think they did they, um i forgot forgotten the names, their Taven and... Um, Kingdom. Kingdom come out there and like Roderick Strong's there it's like you can do this you can do this Adam Cole can't he hesitates and in the moment of hesitation he turns in to a nice trapping cradle by MJF who gets the win takes the win Adam Cole is again post-match given the opportunity to sort of embrace the dark side and instead like rejects it outright sides with MJF uh, when MJF has brought in the Ring on the title and Adam Cole's just devastated he's too upset about it and then he doesn't he takes it and they end the show as a tag team with Roderick Strong rebuffed and all seemingly well between the two it's the best it's been even though we know yeah. the turn still
1: lurks underneath. I'll okay, get your takes momentarily before we come to a close here I just want to say one thing more about this match they've got the biggest crowd in wrestling history official, as far as anyone can tell paid by the way mm. not North friggin Korea mm. they've got a fan base the British that are Famous for two things. One, having corrective cynical takes on Twitter. (laughs) Two, being one of the loudest crowds ever. They've got the biggest... They know for a fact they've got the biggest opportunity to do the loudest Mm. response. Like the loudest noise you can hear a wrestling show ever. And they plot this story to get every kind of noise. Gasps, laughter, fight for chance because the action is so great. This was a masterpiece of a genre I don't even know what we can call yet
2: it's new and it's exciting like it's the, the the laugh I referenced to you the laugh in between the one and the two count because Bryce was so knocked out it's that sort of stuff it's bold and it's exciting it's had no right no it had no right and the story's not finished and that was the joy you felt leaving the show people wanted more of this and they're going to get it and I think that's the, that's the magic you haven't had to give the whole thing away you've just given enough that people feel completely satiated for now yeah
1: Absolutely. you want to say anything else on it?
2: I think you're right. I want to watch it on telly and then go again.
1: Yeah. Like, I want to to see the TV version of this. We'll go more in depth on this hopefully next week when hopefully normal service will resume. We're all very tired. Um, We're going to go to bed now. We will. (laughs) I hope we've we're tired I hope we've put across how enthusiastic we were about the show it was absolutely tremendous everyone we spoke to said it's pretty much the best live ex- live experience they've had and if it isn't the recency bias must count for something yeah um, subscribe to us um, on Apple Podcasts Amazon Music Spotify wherever you get them from follow us all on x and share your thoughts and experiences on the show at what Culture wwe whilst you're there you can follow michael hanflett at michael hanflett you can follow me at mc once again thank you so much for joining us thank you so much for supporting us over the years we wouldn't be able to do trips like this without your valued support and if it gets boring to hear about it i don't care thank you so much <laughs> for enabling this um and enjoy the rest of your bank holiday weekend